so that is the McLeish era shirt then. Yes, this is the uh, home 2009-10 Umbro shirt, F&C investments, fish and chip investments, with with the colour, which I really like. This is, I was, so I tried to get this one. I, tr- I was digging around my wardrobe for a McLeish era shirt, and I was like, I wonder if any of them, I thought, obviously I've got to wear a McLeish era one for this podcast. Yeah. But I thought, will they, or, surely they won't fit me. So this kit came out in 2009. So I was twelve when this kit, <laughs> when this kit came out, uh, and so if you told me then when I was twenty six, it would still fit me. Um, I think it must have just been quite. I think I remember it being quite baggy on me, and quite big when I was a kid. So that's probably it. it. But and to be fair, it is really tight on like the arms and everything. But I quite like this kit. But more my memories of it are really fun. It's a really great, it's a really good season uh, mm. on the whole, two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, it's funny though because my the shirt that I've got from our McLeish season is like a, a kids a kids XL and it just about still fits me. Wow, really? Um, I suppose because you would have only had one season. Do you only have one? You must only have one McLeish year, racket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you wearing? What year is that? It's Under Armour. So this is sixteen seventeen. So this is first year in the oh, championship wow, away kit. This is a, a Di Matteo Bruce shirt. Um, Classic. It was a remake of an Fun old difference. shirt. Yeah, it was a remake of an old shirt which had like AST on the front, which everyone really loves. But I feel like a, a lot of our Under Armour, all of our Under Armour kits were quite underrated, I kind of feel. And the fit's really nice and the quality's really good. Um, yeah, I quite like this one. It's it's a nice holiday shirt, really. Yeah. Good for you. The season was crap. We won't talk about that. <laughs> the only memories I have of this shirt is losing at Nottingham Forest. Should have lost to us as well. We didn't lose to you in the championship. No, no, you should have at home. It's an Andrew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're in your home kit anyway, so I think. I think. Which is a great shirt as well, actually. I love that shirt. As Villa kids go, I suppose. <laughs> Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Second City Podcast. In this side series, we're going to be looking into the players and managers that have experienced both B6 and B9. We're starting with Alex McLeish, who played almost 500 league matches for Aberdeen, winning the Scottish Premiership on three occasions, the Scottish Cup five times, the Scottish League Cup twice, and also had success on the European stage, winning the Cup Winners' Cup and the Super Cup in 1983. McLeish would go on to start his management career in Scotland too, winning the first division with Hibernian before going on to win seven trophies with Rangers, including two league titles between 2001 and 2006. In January 2007, he would take charge of the Scottish national team, having made 77 caps as a player, which included playing at three World Cups in 1982, 1986 and 1990. In October of the same year, Birmingham City approached the Scottish Football Association for permission to speak to McLeish about their managerial vacancy, which was refused. But on his return on 27th of November 2007, from attending the draw for the 2010 World Cup qualification in South Africa, 
He resigned his post as manager of Scotland and was announced as Birmingham's new manager the following day. His debut saw the Blues beat Tottenham Hotspur 3-2 and in January 2008 would add the likes of David Murphy and James McFadden. However, on the final day of the season, Birmingham were relegated despite beating Blackburn by four goals to one. But Birmingham would bounce back at the first attempt and in January 2010, McLeish guided his team to a record 12-game unbeaten run in the top division and the club would finish ninth place in the Premier League. But 2011 would represent his greatest achievement with Birmingham City, winning the League Cup final with a late winner from Oberfemi Martins to defeat favourites Arsenal, still in only the club's second ever major trophy. However, a poor run of form would follow the success at Wembley and Blues were relegated again on the final day of the season. McLeish would resign via email at the end of the season on June the 12th. Five days later would be the turning point in his managerial career when McLeish moved across the second city to take over at Aston Villa, replacing Gerard Houllier. He became the first manager to move directly between the two clubs. The move was highly controversial at both the corporate and fan levels of the clubs, with both sets of fans shocked and dismayed. Aston Villa fans protested outside Villa Park and anti-McLeish graffiti had to be removed from outside Villa's training ground. McLeish led Villa to 16th place in the Premier League, avoiding relegation by only two points and set an unwanted club record of only four home wins all season. His managerial career never recovered from his lone season at Villa Park. He was sacked as the manager of Nottingham Forest after just 40 days. He had one season managing Genk in Belgium before a 10-match stint at Egyptian club Zamalek. McLeish was then reappointed Scotland manager on 16th of February 2018 on a two-year contract. Scotland won their 2018-19 UEFA Nations League group under McLeish, but he was sacked on 18th of April 2019 following a 3-0 defeat by Kazakhstan in a poor start to their UEFA Euro 2020 qualifying campaign. So, Alex McLeish. Yeah. I would say, Dan, a, just a controversial man in the Midlands. Yeah, and a hugely um, significant person in terms of when he was, certainly speaking as a Blues fan, he was at Blues in a very sort of pivotal time in uh, my sort of, uh, I don't know, formative years, but my sort of <laughs> childhood, teenage years supporting Blues, if you know what I mean. And so it's a strange one because a lot of my fondest memories as a Blues fan and, and the very fondest memories uh, from when he was at Blues. But obviously, as we mentioned in the intro, everything that happened afterwards has meant that it, it means his legacy is a really interesting and bizarre one. And I find his career trajectory, yeah. like we just mentioned, he had huge success in his early career uh, with Rangers and then obviously with Blues. Uh, as we'll get into, I think he had a considerable success for a few years, but then it tailed off very quickly. And as you say, his career really hasn't recovered at all since. And we're talking over 10 years later now. So I feel like the only natural place to start when we talk about his career in the Midlands is when he joined Birmingham City from Scotland. You know, yeah. He was a man that the board-level board Blues really wanted because they tried to get him, they were refused, but they did eventually get that man. Yeah, and it was... I remember... So this was 2007, so we would have been about, uh, I think about 10. I was about 10 or 11. Um, and... I remember being, it felt like a breath of fresh air when a breath of fresh air when McLeish did eventually come in, because Bruce, Steve Bruce had just left and he'd been there for probably six years, which is kind of unheard of even now, like even now, 
was a long time and he was the only blues manager we had known up to that point really um for sort of people our age and i remember mcleish came in and the club weren't we'd just been promoted back into the premier league it was our first season back up and the owners were still like david gold david sullivan uh your karen brady was still involved and so on that's kind of how long ago it was and I will never forget one of my favourite memories ever, ever as a Blues fan is McLeish's first game, uh, which we mentioned in the intro. We beat Tottenham 3-2 away at White Hart Lane. And we scored in, I think it was like the 93rd minute or something, Sebastian Larson nicked the ball off, uh, I can't remember who it was, someone in midfield. And he smacks across goal, like probably from about 30, 35 yards out, top corner, last minute, just the most perfect start for a team that, wasn't doing particularly well. I think we were about 14 or 15 games in and we'd only got like 10 or 11 points. We really weren't, hadn't started too well and the squad wasn't looking too well set up to really cope with a potential survival push, you know, trying to stay up. But that first game was just unbelievable, like absolutely incredible. And that Sebastian Larson goal to this day is one of my favourite Blues goals ever, you know. The only one I can think of off the top of my head that I think is better is Cameron Jerome scored an incredible one a couple of years later away at Liverpool. But the last one for the moment is just so iconic. The season didn't carry on that way. We, um, I think we saw pro- the trajectory of the Bruce part of the season and the McLeish part of the season was pretty much the same. McLeish had longer. I think he had about 24, 25 games and he got, on average, I think he got about a point a game. Yeah, uh, which is you know is marginally better than what we were on, but you consider a longer period of games, more time. I, th- I think it's roughly the same, but I think it's fair to say that you really can start judging him on his full seasons at Blues. So we got relegated. We finished nineteenth. Uh, we got absolutely hammered away at Villa, which was I'm sure we'll get onto his record <laughs> in the derbies in particular. But we got absolutely humiliated away at Villa, five uh, one, which is the only football game to this day I've left early. It's the only Villa away game I've been to. Only game I'm pretty sure I've left early, <laughs> but like by like a signet by like sort of like ten minutes or something, not yeah. like you know a minute or two. But so then McLeish's first full season was 2008-9, back in the championship, and we did get promoted straight back as you mentioned. Uh, this is a season which people obviously we were like still so young at the time. I have really fun memories of this season. We finished second, got promoted, and McLeish did a, and whoever was in charge of the recruitment did a really good job bringing in some really important signings. There were some real duds in there as well. Um, like Ulysses, De La Cruz and all them, you know, some really kind of uh, hammer buatsa, some really forgettable blues. The one-game wonder. The one-game wonder, Ulysses, De La Cruz. Um, but he also brought in Kevin Phillips, who I'm sure will do one of these style podcasts on Sunday, yeah. who was an absolute revelation, scored 16 or 17 goals. Lee Carsley came in in midfield from Everton in the Premier League, a real coup. In the January, Lee Bowyer came in on loan, Keith Fahey came in. Uh, Stephen Carr came in as well out of retirement. And uh, I mentioned on the podcast we've been doing up to this point that uh, this in 2023, this is our best start to a season in 15 years. This is the season where we start. They, this season is 15 years ago. I'll never forget, I went to Reading away on the last day and we won 2-1. And we, I think the week before, we if we'd beaten, I think it was Preston at home, it was live on Sky. If we'd beaten them at home, we would have been promoted, but we lost 2-1 because of a last minute free kick. And so the Reading game was literally second versus third and it was whoever won yeah. goes up basically. And, you know, we we won Keith Fahey, Kevin Phillips, both scoring. Unbelievable day. And so those, th- those memories are really fun for me. 
but it's weird you hear some people I don't know what your memories are if you remember that sort of time at all but I remember some I know some Blues fans look back on it and are quite critical of like the style of football and typical McLeish ball really defensive tough to beat rather than free-flowing or anything like that well I think we'll touch on McLeish and Villa I think but yes the style of play was definitely something that very defensive style um it's weird though because I remember I remember the season where we we won five one and we had a good year under Martin O'Neill. But the fo- the following year when you were in the championship, I just th- I don't remember you being in the championship at all that season. In a six season, I think you yo-yoed three three. You were up down up down up down. Yeah, I think we had like from two thousand and six to two thousand and ten, we were either promoted or relegated every year. I think or something like that. Yeah, which is pretty mental. But yeah, I don't know if it's because we were so like at that age, you're kind of oblivious to like the style I guess and it's just about you know if you're winning yeah. like fantastic but I would argue like the most I think so 2009 when we came back up into the Premier League and a lot of people had us to go right back down I think is when mm. people will most look at despite what happened the following year that 2009-10 season I think really showed what McLeish was like truly capable of Yeah, because we came up and we had some money to spend but obviously compared even this is 2009 but your top clubs Man United, Chelsea they're all still spending insane amounts of money in comparison yeah. We bought really smart, really well. We brought in Roger Johnston, Scott Dan at centre backs. We brought Joe Hart in on loan uh, in goal from Man City. We brought in Barry Ferguson. Lee Bowyer came in on a permanent. Craig Gardner came in in the January, just to name a few examples. And McLeish created a really tough to beat, be tough to beat at home mentality and a togetherness that meant that we ended up finishing ninth in the Premier League, which was just unheard of. For us to come up and finish ninth in our first season was remarkable. I think we went on a 12-game and beat and run in the league over Christmas into the new year. And I think it was 15 in all competitions. And, and the other thing was, I think it was nine or 10 games where we didn't change the starting 11 at all, which is which is, it is completely unheard of. And it was just a basic 4-4-2, but it made it so solid and so tough to beat. And... We won five games in a row over like just before Christmas, and I remember it. Um, the fifth one was Blackburn at home on a it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and we we only won two one. Jerome scored twice, but it was more just the event of it. Like under the lights, five straight wins. We played so well; it could have been it could have been five one. We were unbelievable. I just remember at full time like the sense of achievement it everyone felt, and. You know, players like Roger Johnson, Scott Dan, Barry Ferguson, Lee Bowyer just playing absolutely out of their skin. Like uh, Seb Larson was just, you know, it's just remarkable. Everyone yeah. playing so well. Um, McFadden, just absolutely outstanding. And I think we only lost two home games all season, which really showed it was about solidity more than anything. Of course, sadly, one of those losses was against Villa, <laughs> sadly, which is a real shame. Well, I was going to say, like, the year that you went down under, under the Bruce McLeish, yeah, um, we absolutely thumped you at Villa Park, but you came, you got promoted, you came up, and you, as you're saying, you finished ninth. You had improved so much, and I think the results in the second city derby actually really show that how much those those te- the teams had closed up really in that season. I mean, we were at the height of our power under Martin O'Neill at this point. Like we were a really, really good team. And we only just beat you one nil and one nil. And I, were they two late goals in both of them? Certainly the one at yeah. Villa Park was a late goal. Yeah, I think the first one, and also the one at St Andrews was really early in the season. It was like the fifth yeah. or sixth game. It was really as early. Always. Really early. <laughs> as always, yeah. 
But yeah, the Villa Park one was probably the high, from my memory, was probably the highest quality derby in terms of the levels of the two teams. Like my memory of that game is it was two genuinely top 10 Premier League teams. And how we lost that game to this day, I won't get too much into the, the penalty and everything. We discussed that a lot back in the day. I was very happy about that. And I think but we the, agreed to disagree on it. We agreed to disagree. We were robbed. But um, but like what an outstanding performance. And as you say, you were like, you finished sixth that year, fifth or sixth? Yeah, we had, I think it was three years in a row we finished sixth under Mike. Yeah. Martin. But then the following season, obviously, had the biggest thing of them all. The league form was not as good. But we got to February and we're in the Carlin Cup final. Kind of through that McLeish mentality of just being tough to beat. And that really came into its element in the final where we played 4-5-1, Ziggich up top, you know, who we brought in in the summer. The six foot eight striker. And people criticise McLeish's style of football and how it's, you know, it's long ball. It's it's not pretty. It's not any of that. Um, but if we, no other style of football would have won us that cup. You know, it's like considered the greatest achievement in the club's history. If and I saw an interview with Barry Ferguson where he was talking about it, and he's it was really interesting to listen to. I think it was on Sly Ferry's podcast called Open. Um, he's called Open Goal. Fully recommend it on YouTube if anyone wanted to check it out. It's really interesting because he talks about when he signed for Blues and McLeish. He uh, Barry Ferguson basically needed a club to go to, and he rang up McLeish who he knew from Scotland and Rangers, and McLeish was basically on the phone to him said like. I, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know if you've still got it. And Barry Ferguson was like, what? You know, he he just didn't expect that at all. He thought he could walk in. And McLeish said, like, I need you to lose however many pounds and then maybe I'll consider it. And Ferguson's like, what? You know, what, I've always played it this way. What are you talking about? But he was absolutely bang on. And Barry Ferguson came to Blues and he was fitter than he'd ever been and played as probably as good as he's ever played in his career at Blues. He was absolutely exceptional at Blues. But he also said in that interview when they played... Arsenal, he said, McLeish said to them, if we go out there and we try and play them at football, they're going to beat us. So McLeish, I do think you look back on these things and he deserves credit for identifying the way to win, you know, what the only way to win really was. Might seem like an obvious way to win, but it is true, it's the only way. And that cup run was just exceptional. Like we beat you in the quarterfinal in a night game. Maybe a bit lucky more than anything. Dark days. Dark days. The only win I've seen over Villa in my time as a fan. And then yeah. in the semi-final against West Ham, we were 3-1 down over the, about halfway through the second yeah. leg. And he brings Zigic on at half-time and it just completely changed the game and we ended up winning 4-3 after extra time. And and like people criticise a player like Zigic who he brought in, but he knew... He, uh, in a situation like that, he knew exactly how to use him. He knew. We bring this man on at half-time, completely changed the style of play. And that was like one of the great, genuinely one of the best individual performances I've, I've ever seen from a Blues player was Ziggich that night. He was used absolutely perfectly. Um, and so I think McLeish has had a lot of credit for something like that. I don't know if you have any memories of that game against you in the in the League Cup properly. I, I do. I, I remember it quite well, actually. And yeah. It's probably probably because of the way the game went. Um, you didn't go, did you? You didn't go. No, no, no. I'm, I'm really glad I didn't go. Because um, the scenes, I think before oh, and after yeah, the game were bit, yeah. really, really terrible. Yeah. Um, especially at the end of the game, really. Um, but no, like we were saying, so the season before was arguably as close at a high quality level the two teams have ever been. But and but it was almost like a real change over the summer. So you start, you weren't as good the next season. We lost Martin O'Neill. We lost James Milner. And 
we were sort of not we were sort of struggling under under Gerard Houllier and uh, you know it wasn't really until we bought Darren Benton in the January where we actually really started picking up points and looking like a half decent side again. Mm. Um, but I remember going into that League Cup game like really dreading it. I'm not usually we're, I'm pretty you look forward to the derby and you do get a few butterflies as, as it gets a little bit close. But I remember that I mean especially when we play at St Andrews. It's a, I hate playing at St Andrews because it is a really hard place to go, um, and especially for us being uh, being the, the local rival and the big rivalry between the two. But that night, I remember really dreading it. I don't. We didn't play great. And did you go one 0 up? I think. Yes. Yeah, scored a penalty. That's right. Yeah, and then we had a goal. I wouldn't even say it was disallowed. It was never. Gi- it wasn't given. But people in the stadium were like yeah. celebrating because I think was it Ziegich had a shot. And it like stopped on the line, and it's this is before goal line technology, so we kind of yeah. weren't sure if it went over or not. Yeah, and then we got back in the game, and it looked like it was going to run to extra time. Normally, I mean, so many of the second city derbies, especially in St Andrews, are draws, and this one was mm. heading to that as well. And you know, normally you'd probably take a draw away, and then there was this the the goal at the end. It's just such a clumsy goal it's so fluky Brad Friedel is so unlucky with the deflection because he would have saved it comfortably Completely. and obviously that's the nature of the goal it was Zigic who scored it who we didn't like because we all thought he was crap <laughs> <laughs> and and then it's the last minute it's virtually the last kick of the game it's like the first time you've beaten us in years yeah and you'd knocked us out of the cup. There's just so much going on all at once. Um, mm. I, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget that goal, that Ziggich goal. So I remember like, before the goal, ha- it's haunting. <laughs> oh, can I tell me about it? I've, I've plenty of my share of that, but um, <laughs> I, I do remember. I remember because I went to the game and I was like, we sit like almost like directly behind the goal uh, in mm. the upper tier, and I just remember it like a little. Differently, I remember just before the goal, Villa were actually pressing a lot more and actually looked the more likely to score. But it did very much feel like it was going, just going to go to extra time. But that's a game I'll never forget. Like the, it was in like it was absolutely full to the rafters in the snow. You know, it was just like a and when the goal went in, I mean, that might be other than the Obafemi Martins goal, it's probably like my most rewatched Blues goal just on like YouTube and stuff, which is mad because it's a rubbish goal. Let's be honest, like it's like the luckiest. <laughs> Like technique free goal, um, but no, that run of the quarterfinal, semi final, final that you know, three of the best games I've ever been been to, and just the semi final story is is just as incredible as the whole run, really. Oh, completely, yeah. I mean, that semi final second leg is probably the greatest individual game I've been to, it was just remarkable. Um, so there we were in February, we won the cup, we're qualified for Europe for the next season for the first time in 50 years and then everything just completely falls apart uh, between then and the end of the season so I think you know how they say like 40 points you're sa- you're going to be safe yeah. nowadays it's even less yeah, it's um, about 35 now yeah it's really low now as the top teams have, you know they just swallow everyone up basically I remember with six games left we had 38 38 points and we got relegated on 39, which is insane. But we lost 2-1 at Spurs. And we're actually staying up with a couple of minutes to go. And this was the mad... Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like the mad survival Sunday where there was like five teams in it. 
And I think we, Craig Gardner scored and we, so we, we, we equalised and we're staying up. And then I think Wolves scored in a game or something. Was it Wolves Blackburn? Yeah, and Wolves, Wolves they were still losing. From, yeah, Wolves were 3-0 down at half-time and then yeah. got to 3-2 and were then staying yeah. up on goal difference. So the second goal was keeping them up on goal scored, was sending us down on goal yeah. scored, not even goal difference. Um, and yeah, that I, I mentioned Ferguson earlier. He was injured for a lot of this post-cup run. And I think he's a bit like what Bielik is to us now. Like when he's not there, we really, really miss him. But... I still never, until those last few games, I still genuinely never thought we'd go down. I thought we were, we built something so good under McLeish. Uh, despite the criticisms of the style and stuff, there's just such a good energy around the club a lot of the time. And, you know, to have won the cup and like reach that, like, you know, that pinnacle to then get relegated in 2011 was such a shock. And obviously then that summer, Everything completely unraveled. All, all hell bro- broke loose. <laughs> all hell breaks loose. Carson Young got on us. So obviously a big thing which happened in McLeish's era was the Carson Young administration came in in 2009 and put a lot of money into players and so on. Uh, then in 2011, he gets arrested. Everything kind of hits fi- financial turmoil at Blues. And McLeish hands his notice in, so to speak. <laughs> Cool. So I remember McLeish. I saw turn Sky Sports News on and saw the news that McLeish had left Blues. And then out of nowhere, rumours start flying around that he's going to go to Villa because Gerard Houllier had. So Gerard Houllier had been there the year before, but I think he'd gotten ill from what I remember. He, he had, and he missed the final five games of the season um, right. through illness. Um, and it was Gary McAllister in his first stint as Aston Villa assistant manager who had guided us through the final five games. And it was actually the little, almost like new manager bounce under Gary McAllister that actually meant that we finished ninth that season. Because I always found with that season, you look at the league table and until the season we just had under Unai Emery, that was the last time we were in the top half at the end of the season. But I always felt that was a, I know they say the league table never lies. I always felt it did that year. I remember walking out of Villa Park on the final day of the season and we looked at the table and went, oh my God, we're ninth. <laughs> How did that happen? They're like, we 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 really weren't deserving of a top half finish that year. Um, I remember Julio getting a lot of criticism for a lot of that season. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I, I remember before we signed Darren Ben, I, th- I, th- um, there was, I think we played Sunderland home around Christmas time and we were singing you're getting sacked in the morning you lost 1-0 um, didn't you and you uh, were in the bottom three or something yeah it, it could have been Darren I'd have to check but it could have been Darren Ben who scored that night and we went and signed him or something um, that rings a bell yeah I, I remember just before Christmas we played Liverpool and we got hammered 3-0 at Anfield and he said in his post-match interview well if we're going to lose to any team I don't mind it being Liverpool <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> like that so you'd yeah. expect Stephen Gerrard to say yeah. like Unbelievable, really. Because um, I remember when we... So we played you in the cup and we beat you 2-1. But then do you remember we played about a month later in the league or six weeks later? And we drew 1-1. I think yeah, Roger Johnson scored for us. And I think... Uh, he scored for you. Um, James Collins, maybe, I think, rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, but I remember you were in the bottom three when we played that day. And that was in, like, January, February. But, of course, the following season, McLeish 
ends up at Villa and wasn't too well received, to say the least. No, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it had been like seeing that. Obviously, he just got relegated, but the manager who just won you a major trophy against all the odds has resigned. And then to see him all of a sudden, five days later, go to your arch rivals. I mean, I, I remember at the time and being like, don't, don't want, what, what would you want him for? Like, if any manager out there, why would we want him? Because I never really understood it. Because th- you talk about the style of play, we never really. He wouldn't have been a manager. You'd look at going, we need this guy. This guy's really good. A bit like you know, unlike when we needed to, when we got Steve Bruce in, we were like, this is the guy we need. It doesn't matter that he used to manage him. We need this guy. And also with Bruce, um, there was the huge, like a huge time a huge gap, gap as well. It was like ten years or something, yeah. wasn't it? It's funny. Maybe if you hadn't won the cup, it might have been different. But I think obviously that was so fresh, and obviously we'd got knocked out in in the in your cup run as well. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of scars really going into that season. But yeah, we never wanted them, which is maybe unfair. We were, you know, it's funny. I've got I found the press release when we were planning for this, and he says in the press release in the announcement, I know that some of our fans have voiced concerns and I can understand why. It will be up to me to convince you that I am the right man to drive this club forward and I intend to give absolutely everything to prove that I can be a success at the club. Tricky. Did he ever have a chance? Tricky, was he, was I, it ever going to work? I don't, I don't think so. I think he, he and more importantly than this, Randy Lerner, the owner, and I think Paul Faulkner, who was the CEO at the time, they were incredibly naive and they incredibly underestimated the bitterness of the rivalry between Aston Villa and Birmingham City. Um, again, this was at a time we played each other quite a lot over that time span. It's not like how it's really been the last few years when we don't play each other anymore. So, you know, I, I just, I, I'll, I'll always think he really, I understand why he took the job because it's oh, a Premier League club. It is a big club. It is a club that had been in the European places. I guess he would have seen it as a step up, but I'll, I'll, I'll never under. It was so naive, and I think, and I really do think they just completely underestimated that we, as a fan base, but there's a reason no other manager had gone directly between the two. You know, the only one that comes close was Ron Saunders, but he actually left Villa, had six months off, and then went to Blues, which is a bit different. Cool. Um, so. Did you agree with like we say the Villa fans didn't want him? It got to a level of I remember like there was like protests and stuff at Villa Park against it. Yeah, I I, I remember so I used to play football when I played Sunday League football. Um, I remember there was someone I played with him and his dad went um, went to games and they had the McLeish out like painted on a bed sheet sort of thing. Um, really early on, um, I think I think my dad at the time was willing to give him a chance. I I I was never really convinced. I mean, how old? we were only like well, yeah, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, I, he never had. He just never was able to get any credit in the bank with us. A bit like Stephen Gerrard, the fans never took to him. And so when we weren't great, it's not like come on, we, we think you can turn it around. We want to help you turn it around. It's a chalk on, get out of here. Because also, um, you had a pretty good team still back then, right? Like it wasn't. You still had like a yeah. you still had uh, Petrov. Ashley Young had just gone, but we still had Petrov, Gabby, when he was still really good. Um, and that summer we signed 
Shea Given, we signed Alan Hutton, and then we signed splashed the cash massively on Charles and Zogbia. So this is interesting because Blues, so in, before McLeish's last season of Blues, he really wanted and Zogbia to come to Blues. And he would have been our record signing at the time. There was a lot of rumours that it was going to be sort of mm. eight, nine, ten million. And he never got him. And we talk about why he left Blues. And I remember at the time there was... Uh, so I couldn't. I tried to find it again for this uh, podcast, but I just couldn't find it. Blues, the board or the owners or whoever, after he left, put a statement out saying that they had always, you know, paraphrasing, but they had always supported McLeish and tried to help him get players in, like, you know, Peter Rod and Wingy, and these are the ones that didn't end up happening. And there were, it was quite a, it's quite unprofessional kind of criticism. It was just something an owner shouldn't do, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure you won't be seeing Tom Wagner doing that, Touchwood. The Enzogbia thing, I think, was clearly an example of where these owners, the Carson Young era, they claimed they could do these things and they could afford these players and fund these things. And it just never happened. And another one was Robbie Keane was meant to be coming in to Blues in the January, like six million or something. And Robbie Keane later came out and said that there, there, there was nothing in it. They just made that up. <laughs> like they were using me as like just to get a story out, basically. But yeah, so Enzogbia meant to come to Blues, never happened, but he did get him at Villa the following year. Robbie Keane, he did get at Villa the following year, yeah. from what I remember. And so I can totally see why he saw Villa as, pains me to say it, but a step up. He's probably sick of the owners at Blues, and he saw Villa as a club that was in the Premier League, that was local, probably didn't have to move house, probably had a house in Birmingham, he didn't have to leave. And he probably thought, I'll have more money, to, I'll probably be on a better salary, and I'll probably... I've more money to spend and I'll achieve more at a club that has been more established in the Premier League. So I totally understand why he thought it would be a good idea. And he probably thought as well, once the season started, some of the, oh my God, why have we signed this bloke, will have died down. And if we get a few wins under the belt, it'll all sort of become the past, I would imagine. And we didn't have a terrible start, but the big, the big problem was the style of play. And I, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, I remember we were in the playground at school once and you came up and showed me something on your phone and it said, it was McLeish and it said Agent 451. It was like a movie poster. Oh, probably. I remember the one, um, yeah. uh, it was like the Terminator poster, but relegated. Yeah, I think it was this it's one. McLeish's head. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, yeah. that's very good. <laughs> that yeah, cool. I think it said Agent 451 on it. Yeah. But um, I think that was it because Blues as well, even... Though we were in the championship the following the year McLeish was at Villa, you were really struggling and looked for a long time like you were going to go down. And Blues were having a really fun season in the championship and had kind of been reinvented under Chris Hewton. And I remember there was kind of a bit of a glee amongst Blues fans that McLeish was failing so much at, at Villa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his record with us was just dreadful. So I think we said it in the intro. Um, we only won four games at home all season. And I remember our home form being absolutely dreadful. Yeah, we won seven games all season, I think. And we drew 17 in that season. Like, it's just an insane amount of... It, it's crazy that your home form was so bad because that was something that was such a bedrock with Blues. Like, even yeah. the year we got relegated, our home form was pretty good still. It was our away form that sent us down. But it was, it's not a shock, though, that our home form was dreadful because the atmosphere was terrible because it was just toxic. It was a toxic atmosphere. The play, I mean, against the manager, the players had kind of had no chance, really, in, in that regard. Um, and so we picked up 
I think a lot of our draws were all away from home, really. Yeah, 10, 10 draws away from home and three wins, which made the bulk of our points, really. Um, but I remember in the January, we signed Robbie Keane on loan, which is funny. It's funny. There's always those players when you're growing up as well that play for other teams that you really like. You always sign them on Football Manager or something for your club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know whether it's because obviously, like, we have that sort of Irish heritage and connection. Yeah. He was like the main man for the Republic of Ireland. And so I always really liked Robbie Kane. I'm like, oh, I wish we could sign Robbie Kane. So it was really cool for me when we signed when, when he signed for us. And then and he's I the game that stands out was when we were away at Molyneux. I think we won three one or something like that. And he scored three, twice. Two, two, two well, yeah, we we won by three goals to something. And he scored two cracking goals, like unbelievable goals. One of the, one of them's amazing. Um and I, that was sort of a game that kept us up. Robbie Keane joined us on loan and kept us up in like three months. So, you know, some of his signings were great. I mean, Shea Given, another, talk about another player with that sort of Irish connection that I always loved. And I was a goalkeeper growing up, so I loved Shea Given. Um, so, you know, Hutton went on to be a bit of a club cult hero. And Zotia, Your favourite. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then and just never it was a good player in there and we saw it at, at Wigan but just never happened for him with us and he always there was flashes but never never justified the money or the wage that he was on I think by the time the season had ended I and mean, we got 38 points we couldn't win any matches or anything um, it wasn't a shock to see him go really it was kind of maybe it was more of a about time, like I, I don't know. With with hindsight, they shouldn't have appointed him in the first place. And I think by the end of the season, they realised that they'd made a big mistake. But I think they, pro, you know, they should have realised earlier that they should have, they should have sacked him earlier on in the season. And it could have saved the season. And um, but he was also unlucky. He was joining us when we were on our deep decline as well. Beginning of the end, really, wasn't it? For like for your sort of within a few years you'd been relegated and we're kind of stopping investing in the team so yeah this was just as the money was about to run out for us as well so um the other thing is as well is um you know alex mcleish is having a bad enough season as it is the fans hate him the team is struggling players like Nzogbia aren't really performing um but then obviously he lost his Club lost the club captain in Stan Petrov um, when he got diagnosed with leukemia after we got yeah. smashed by Arsenal. I mean that that just shocked the club, and I mean God knows what it did behind the scenes at the, the club level and for the players as well. For you know your your captain, your club captain, a great guy, and one of your best play players. Yeah, yeah, easily one of our best players, and um, yeah, I, I I remember that was like really really shocking and. Well, unbelievable in a weird way. It's just something that just is kind of on. It's just so rare that something like that would happen. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say you got so you got thirty eight points. So your his season at Villa, he got less points than he did at Blues the year we got relegated. That sums up how bad it was. So you got less points, only a point less, but it's still a point. Yeah. And you say you won seven games, so you won less. I think we won eight or nine. I think that shows the level of underachievement. I think it's a rare case where 
when, when a manager goes after like one season, it always just feels too soon unless it's like they really didn't have too much time. But uh, McLeish, it always it just never felt like it was gonna. It's like Graham Potter at Chelsea this year, just gone. It's just yeah. never gonna last. It's just not never in a million years gonna last. But the, there were good moments in that season. Like we mentioned the Wolves game, um, and the other one was that we played at Stamford Bridge and we got a shock three-one win at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I remember that was just incredible at the time. You know, Chelsea were an amazing team. You know, mm-hmm. they'd not long spent like 50 million on Fernando Torres. I think this was the season they won the Champions League. Like they were great. They were yeah, it would have been. And, you know, but we just weren't able to use it as a turning point. And the home form was always a, a bit of a killer, really. But yeah, McLeish went, you know, we, we moved on to Paul Lambert. But, um, which is a story for another day, probably. Yes. Alex another McLeish. tragic, another tragic tale there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but McLeish would, as we said in the intro, would kind of stick around in the Midlands, but he goes to the east side this time. Mm. It's a Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah. Just a disaster again. Complete disaster. But, Forty days. But his last game. So I, I may be wrong on this, but I think the only time he's come back to Blues as a manager was as Nottingham Forest manager, and we beat them 2-1, and he got sacked like three days later. And similarly, he fell out with the board over, I think he wanted like George Boyd or someone, or yes. George Boyd? Yeah, it was that it? George Boyd, yeah. And, they, um, and that fell apart, and he, I think he either walked or he got sacked. Didn't end well anyway. And then we mentioned he went to Belgium for a bit. He went to Egypt for two very short spells. Didn't work at all. And then I remember he, he went back to Scotland, didn't he, for a couple, for not long at all for the Euros qualifying. Yeah, he was the national team manager, yeah. But uh, it, again, it just never really worked out for him there. And it's funny, though, actually. So I think we said in the intro, sort of the beginning of the end of him was taking the job at Villa. But arguably you could... His high point in management, which was winning the Cup with Blues... It was actually all downhill from there. That 100%. was the peak. Because 100%. nothing good really happened after that and his career completely collapsed. Blues got relegated. His season at Villa destroyed his reputation, if anything else. It's interesting. Like He left Villa over 10 years ago, so 2012, that would have been he left Villa. It's amazing how little he's actually managed since then. So we're talking like 11 years ago. So he was at Forest for 40 days. He was at Genk for... Not very long at all, a few months. That season. Egypt for 10 games. Egypt for 10 games. And then Scotland, first of all, is a national job. So you're only, you know, it's not like club football where you're managing every week. Yeah. And he wasn't there long at all. What a disastrous. I remember when he went back to Scotland, it sound, it felt like a, like, really? Like, like it yeah. just felt kind it of strange. Like... <laughs> uh, it's mad as well, because Scotland feel like they're in a good place now. They're really picking up. But we're only talking like a few well, years yeah. ago here. Well, Steve Clark took over from McLeish, didn't he? And, like, and they qualified in that goal generation. Like yeah. the, the tournament, he got he, they started so badly in the qualifying, he got sacked. But then they went to they qualified for that Euros, which is mad. Um, but so McLeish has been out of work for like over four years now, which is kind of remarkable. And you kind of feel like there's probably no coming back from that, really. I, I'd be amazed if he was ever managing again, because there's no 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 team in the top two, maybe even the three divisions of England would hire him. Maybe he could end up with a job in one of the Scottish Scottish tiers or 
But he's tried abroad in Genk and Egypt and it didn't really work. But in kind of summary, it's quite a shame to see him, like, maybe not so much for you, but I think as a Blues fan, having seen him, seen some of my absolute favourite memories, you know, that promotion in 2009, the amazing Premier League season, the Cup win. It's quite sad seeing, like you say, after the Cup win, his career just kind of fall apart. Um, And it's a shame as well, like, because his Blues legacy, mainly, I think, for the Villa thing, has really suffered as a result. And, like, when so and blues do like a, a te- you know a reflection thing you know or bring ex managers mm. back for like a dinner or something he might be there but it doesn't really feel the same as it as it probably should you know he should be like yeah. you know for the guy that won only our, the only he should arguably to... be someone with a statue outside the ground <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. you know completely um, um so it's a shame that he's not but i think you know when it was good i it was very i remember it being very good and was very influential in my sort of you know sort of teenage years as a blues fan i feel like maybe from a blues perspective time can be a great healer and yeah and also as well he didn't have any success with us no so, exactly and i think when you take out like the you know the the emotional aspect of it which i know is hard because it's football and it's emotions mm. you know 99 of it but it, like as i said earlier you can't if he's just been relegated with Blues and he's been a Premier League club, clearly wants him. Like Randy Lerner clearly wanted him at Blues. Uh, sorry, at Villa. Yeah. He's like, you'd be mad to turn it down. Cool. So uh, if that's all good with you, Cal, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion on Alex McLeish. Yeah, I think so. I think we've covered all bases in terms of his, his time at both Blues, Blues and Villa. But no, so we are hoping to do more of these um, these sort of in-depth player-manager specials that played for both Blues and Villa. So let us know if there's any you'd be really interested in uh, hearing about. Obviously, Steve Bruce is quite an obvious one. I'm sure we'll get around to that. A few others we, we're considering. Kevin Phillips, um, Curtis Davis, the Gardeners, Hatha. Uh, you know, obviously some more successful than others, but that's what could make it uh, interesting, I guess. So yeah, let us know if there's anyone in particular you'd like us to maybe do next when we next get a chance. Yeah, and you know, if you have any comments on the way we formatted this this one-off show, we don't really want to talk about internet, the international break because there's nothing to really talk about. Um, there's a couple of stories this week, but nothing major. So um, yeah, just let, give us a comment, follow our socials, tweet us, comment on our YouTube and what have you, subscribe on Spotify and every other podcast app under the sun and leave us the five-star ratings. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much to everyone who's been listening so far as well and supporting and so on. We uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week with a bit more, kind of a bit more back to normal. Um, we'll look back on the results that just happened last week, which obviously we didn't get into this week. And we'll look ahead to the next round of fixtures. So until next time, Carl. Until next time, Dan. See you next week.